0: listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is our 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us, as always, is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. The last time the Cleveland Indians won the World Series, it was 1948. That was 73 years ago, just three years after the end of World War II. They've been back to the World Series three times in just the past couple of decades or so, representing the American League against Atlanta in 1995, Florida in 1997, and the Chicago Cubs in 2016. But they lost them all. Do you believe in curses? Is it possible that the universe is screwing with Cleveland? that the team forever ruined their chances of reaching the pinnacle of their sport again because of an unpopular trade that was made in 1960. Now, if you love sports, then you know nobody is more superstitious than an athlete or a sports fan. And a diehard Indians fan might tell you there is only one explanation for Cleveland's failure. It's the curse of Rocky Calavito. Although the curse was discussed for years, Terry Pluto, a sports writer who covered the tribe for the Akron Beacon Journal and then the Cleveland Plain Dealer for decades, brought it to print for the first time in 1994. He wrote a book called The Curse of Rocky Colavito*, outlining the argument that the Indians' decades-long string of misfortune could all be traced to that one historic decision. Allegedly, It all started with Rocco Domenico Calavito Jr. Nice kid from New York City who grew up in the Bronx worshiping the New York Yankees and Joe DiMaggio. By the age of nine, he was playing semi-pro baseball. That's right, someone somewhere was paying this kid to play. And he dropped out of high school as a sophomore to pursue it as a career. There was only one team who really saw the promise in young Rocky. He was noticed by Mike McNally, the scout from the Cleveland Indians. The team picked him up as a free agent in 1951 when he was just 17 years old and started him in the farm system. In 1955, he was fully cooked and ready for the big show. Fans loved him. The team had raised him up through their minor leagues and his skills were showing. That first year, he tied for runner-up in the American League Rookie of the Year voting. A couple of years later, he had a season in which he hit 41 home runs. That was just one behind the leader of the league that year, Mickey Mantle. He ended that season with a 6.20 slugging percentage. If you don't understand baseball, just know it was a team record that wouldn't be surpassed for nearly 40 years. In 1959, Calavito hit 42 home runs. That made him the first Indians player to ever have two consecutive 40 home run seasons. That year, he hit more homers than Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays, two superstars of the era. Four of those home runs in 1959 came in a single game. In the 125 plus history of the major leagues, where thousands of ball games are played every year, that's only happened 17 times. And it didn't hurt that he was also devilishly handsome and very approachable. After every game, he would meet fans to sign autographs, even if it took hours to accommodate them all. Rocky was the whole package good looks, great personality, and one of the most popular power hitters and outfielders of his time with one of the best throwing arms in baseball. So you can imagine the heartbreak in store for Cleveland fans on April the 17th, 1960. It was just two days before the start of a brand new season when they were dealt a shocking blow. The Indians' general manager was Frank Lane, a man so fond of trading, it was his nickname, Trader Lane. The comedian Bob Hope once said, I'm afraid to go to Cleveland. Frank Lane might trade me. I think he said that after Frank Lane traded the 26-year-old Rocky Calavito to the Detroit Tigers. Lane didn't particularly like Rocky especially at contract negotiation time. Rocky wanted $45,000 a year. It was far less than Mickey Mantle was making at $66,000, and Rocky's stats were better. But Lane tried to portray Rocky as greedy in the media. In that trade, Cleveland got Harvey Keene. Rocky was the American League home run champ. Harvey Keene was the league's batting champ. But home runs are so much sexier than lots and lots of singles. And Rocky was one of the most popular players to ever wear Cleveland's uniform. The trade cut deeply. And Lane made it even worse by trying to defend his decision, saying, What's all the fuss about? All I did was trade hamburger for steak. Fans were pissed. Rocky was their hero, Attendance went from over 1.5 million in 1959 to fewer than a million in 1960. They lost a third of their attendance. And so much for stake. Keene got injured early in the season and was traded away by the end of the year. Lane was gone, too, after that season, off to Kansas City. He quit in the middle of his contract fearing he was about to be sacked anyway. The Indians regretted losing Rocky. It took years, but in 1965, another manager, Gabe Paul, succeeded in getting Rocky back. And what a homecoming it was. When the season opened at home on April 21st that year, with a crowd of 44,000 watching, Rocky hit a two-run homer. He was picked for his eighth All-Star game, And he finished that year in the American League's top five in all the important categories, home runs, hits, and runs. He even compiled a fielding percentage of 1,000, a defensive calculation that pretty much credited him with a perfect defensive year in the outfield. Alas, even his return couldn't get the Indians out of their slump. The Indians ended that season and the next season in fifth place. By 1967, Rocky was gone again. In the end, on paper, it appeared getting him back hadn't been a good idea. His good years were behind him. The two men who were traded away to get him were Tommy John, an extraordinary pitcher who would go on to win 288 games, for someone else, and Tommy Agee, an outfielder whose magic hands made him the World Series hero for the Miracle Mets in 1969. In hindsight, Cleveland simply traded Rocky too soon and got him back too late. Rocky spent a couple more years and retired in 1968 after 14 years in the majors. And over the years, lots of folks suggested after the Rocky Colavito trade the first time, the Indians were snake bit. In 1994, Terry Pluto's book put that thought into print. In 2005, author Tim Long, in his book Curses Why Cleveland Sports Fans Deserve to Be Miserable, joined the believers. He named the trade of Rocky Colavito fourth on his list of all time gaffes by any Cleveland sports team. Like I said, sports fans and athletes love their superstitions and rituals. Psychologists say it's a way for people to feel they have control, even if it's only imaginary. It's why a batter might tap home plate three times between each pitch or kiss a religious necklace. Fans like to think they're doing their part at home to help the team by, say not changing their socks or, God forbid, their underwear, during tournament season. Likewise, if things go wrong, it must be because the sports gods disapproved of something. The Chicago Cubs had a colorful one they called The Curse of the Billy Goat. It was allegedly cast during the 1945 World Series by a fan, Billy Cyanus, after he was ejected from Wrigley Field because others complained about the smell of his pet goat. Even though Billy said he tried to undo his voodoo before he died in 1970, apparently it's not that easy to reverse a curse. The Cubs drought lasted for 70 years. But Cleveland's jinx is more similar to the big one, the curse of the Bambino. That evil eye was leveled against the Boston Red Sox after they traded Babe Ruth in 1920. And you don't have to be a baseball fan to know who Babe Ruth is, a superstar among superstars. The Red Sox had won five of the first 15 World Series titles. Then they had to wait 86 years for their next one. Fans blamed the trade. Cleveland Stroud has only lasted 73 years so far. So if you are one of the folks who take these sports curses seriously, hang in there and take good care of your health. You're going to want to make it to 2034.
1: That's it for our midweek 10-minute mystery.
0: We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full sized Ohio Mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. May all of your mysteries have happy endings.